you guys know what it is to have promises. Uh, you live it out in your family life. You make promises to friends. Here's the thing about us people. When, when we make promises, we don't always keep them. I don't know about you, but have any of you actually made a promise to God or tried to bargain with God? I have. When, when I was in college, I went to this liberal arts college, and they had this stupid idea that you had to be well-rounded, and so you had to take physical education and math and science and English and all this stuff you didn't want to take, but you had to take it to graduate. And so I had to take a science class, and all of my friends told me, you need to take rocks for jocks. Geology 101. Geology 101. And I thought, if the class is called Rocks for Jocks, then surely it's going to be easy. And then three weeks into the class, after every Friday, three Fridays in the row of flunking the quiz, I began to panic. And I went to Dr. Goldberg, and I was like, I really need to pass this class. Is there any? He goes, you just do well on the paper, do well on the project, you're going to be fine. It's no problem. And so I had to do this paper on the Precambrian Canadian Shield. What is that? It's like rock stuff. And I remember his comments in the paper were things like, Mr. Vanderpool, I'm not sure you're aware of what these terms actually mean that you're using in these sentences. And so... I went to God, my Lord and Savior. Dear Jesus, I need to pass this class. Please give me an A on this project, even though I don't know what I'm doing. And I will pray every single day, the rest of college. When I wake up, it will be you, God, because you're going to give me this A. Please, please, amen. <laughs> and do you know what happened? I got a B on the paper, which meant I passed the class and I prayed every day for a week and a half. <laughs> and then I, I just kind of, you know, I slept in one day and then I had a commitment the other day. God's not like that. So I'll, I want you to see some things from the book of Genesis, all right? This is what God says in Genesis chapter 12, and it's a promise that he makes to Abraham. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land I will show you. I will make you into great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the world will be blessed through you. God made a promise to Abraham. Have you ever wondered, why did God pick Abraham? Right? Why him? I mean, why this guy? What did he do like, that was so special? You know what my answer to that is? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. God made a promise that he would bless the world through Abraham. And all Abraham did was what little he knew of God, what little he knew of the promise, he took a step of obedience, and then he got swept into a story that was bigger than himself. And I think you'll find that when God speaks to you, when God speaks to you through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, 
and you take a step of obedience, your, your walk of obedience isn't going to be perfect, but that first step sweeps you up into something that God's doing. And that's exactly what Abraham discovered. In Genesis 15, it says this, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, don't be afraid. I will protect you and your reward will be great. And the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants, that's how many children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren you will have. I often wonder how long did he last out there counting stars? I grew up in Indiana and outside of Indianapolis, there's nothing but corn, right? And if you go out into the cornfields of Indiana at night, you can see a gabillion stars because there's no light because, like I said, there's nothing but corn outside of Indianapolis, okay? How long? Did an hour? Two hours? I mean, how long did he even try? Like, think of that. I'm going to make your children and grandchildren more numerous than the number of stars that are in the sky. In other words, you can't even begin to fathom how big I am, how generous I am, how kind I am. In Genesis 17, it continues, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I guarantee I will give to countless descendants. At this, Abram fell to the ground. And God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It won't be Abram. Instead, it will be Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. That strikes me as a promise. And when God makes a promise, he always keeps it. And Abram, at age 90, 99 years old, in terms of having a baby with his wife, who was roughly the same age, do you, do you know what God, do you know what Abram, sorry, <laughs> do you know what Abram brought to the table? So let me ask you this question. What did Abram do to make a baby happen with his wife, Sarah. Could he, was Abraham powerful enough to make that happen at age 90, 99 years old? No. He was utterly powerless to make that promise happen. Only God could do it. Only God could do it. And we know the rest of the story. They have a baby, and they name him Isaac. God says this in Genesis 15, 6, and Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. In other words, Abraham didn't bring anything to the table. There wasn't anything in his power that he did to make that promise happen. All he did was trust that God would do as he promised. And it got credited to him as righteousness. God assumed all the risk and Abraham got credit. God did all the work, and Abraham got credit. You know what? God's not really fair, is he? He doesn't work the way the world works. See, the world works is you work hard, you study, you get an A. You show up early, and you stay late at work, and you work your tail off, and maybe you get a raise. 
you practice, 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 and maybe you'll go to state in swimming. But God, he gives stuff to people that don't deserve it, didn't work for it, and didn't earn it. Grace. God is amazing. We don't get credit for doing the things that God does. We, it's credited to us. All we do is trust that he is who he says he is, and he will do what he's promised. It isn't about how we perform. It's about what God has promised. For some of you adults, I want to plant a little seed, and the little seed is this. So many people in America have bought into the idea that, they, that the, the way it works with God is you barter with them, you bargain with them, you do, you get your act together, you get cleaned up, you go to church, you pray, you do the right things, and then poof, you're in. God's, it doesn't work that way. From the opening pages of the Bible, right after people mess up, we see that God does all the work. All we do is believe and walk. It's not about your performance. And for those of us on the other side of Jesus, we know it's about his performance, not ours. All right? If there's one thing I want to leave you with today, it's this, and it's really simple. You can count on God to do what he's promised. You can. And that's a theme that we're going to see woven throughout this big story.